Hello friends and welcome to episode 2 of EVP. In tonight's episode, Kara and I talk about paranormal investigation shows, we take a look at your real life spooky encounters, and we also look at this week's paranormal news, including the Battersea Portergeist investigation. Background music to today's creepy stories kindly comes from Eric Matthias at soundimage.org. All that and more coming up on episode 2 of EV Podcast. Kara, we're in week 2. That's a quick week. That's a quick week, isn't it? Uh, have you had anything uh, paranormal happen to you this week? No, it's all been very, very quiet in the Cara front. <laughs> How about I, you? Apart I from something, uh, oh yeah, Cara just scared the life out of me before we started recording. Because um, please don't do that again, because that was terrifying. Uh, yeah, I, I, I had something weird happen. So, have oh. you heard of this thing where you wake up from um, in the middle of a deep sleep and? Um, you're paralysed. You can't move. Sleep paralysis. So I, 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 I had that the other day. Oh, right. And it was scary. But when this happens, there are reports, some people report that they see like a witch or an old lady or, you know, some, someone or crawling up them and pressing down on their, their, uh, their chest, which I thought was a load of rubbish. And my God, it happened to me the other day. I'm not even joking. I kid you not. Did you I, see a woman then? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Oh wow! It was, it was oh. bizarre. I was lying in my bed and I sort of woke up on my back and I couldn't move. And to the right of me, I, I felt like someone was pressing on my chest. And to the right of me, I couldn't make out the features, but it, it definitely looked like a, a small woman. It was like a black shape, and it felt like it was pressing down on me. And then weirdly, I fell back to sleep. Uh, so, but and I didn't I didn't recall it until I until I woke up again. It was really weird. It only lasted a couple of seconds. I woke up, couldn't move, fell back to sleep again. But I remember seeing this and uh, and feeling that that feeling it was very very strange. Never never had that before. It was it was bizarre. I don't know what's the matter. I mean, what's more bizarre is that you actually went back to sleep. If you could see the look on my face right now, it's like how on earth did you manage that? How on earth do you go to sleep hearing people walking around downstairs and above you? Oh well, I have earplugs, so I'm ahead. <laughs> I'm ahead of them. <laughs> do you know, the funny thing is, I've I've got form for that. I've done it before. I've seen things and just gone back to sleep. I can remember being a kid, and I woke up and in the middle of the night, I looked at the bottom of my bed, and I can remember seeing like a disembodied head looking out the window with like vapors streaming off the back of it. And I just went back to sleep, and it wasn't until the next day that I thought, oh, shit, you know, what was that? Uh, but that didn't scare me too much, because as an adult, the wallpaper, I've still got it in my mum's house. It, it, it's kind of that shape, so I can imagine, like, and it was it was shiny, and I can imagine, like, a clear night, the moon reflecting on it, you know, you're half asleep, I can, I can rationalise that way. So as a kid, I believed it, and yeah, I just went back to sleep. I'm literally just having... I do enjoy my sleep. Of ten-year-old Chris in bed waking up, seeing something like, "Oh, you're right, mate," and then just going back to sleep. <laughs> I did. Well, you, yeah. I mean, you, you know how sleepy I always am. I love to be asleep, so I just, I just went to sleep. <laughs> yeah, very, very strange. So I thought we'd start off today having a talk about paranormal investigation shows in general, like the, the big ones, most haunted over here, and ghost adventures in the US. Uh, are they things that you enjoy watching? I've not watched Most Wanted in years. Um, at the m- moment, most recently, I have watched a show called 
Destination Fear. And well, I've not heard of it. It's really good. I'd not heard of it. My dad had um, found it. I think it was on Really TV. And he recommended it to my mum. So she watched it and she was like, oh, it's the best paranormal show I've watched. It's much better than blah, blah, blah. And I was like, uh, I don't know, is it? Um, so I gave it a go and it is up there. Is it, is it an American show? Yeah. What, what's, the, what's the kind of format of it? What do they do? It is a brother and sister and the brother's childhood best friend. And they were haunted in their youth. And they just try and trigger fear in themselves again. And they go out to all these haunted destinations across America, like most TV shows do. Mm. And they will investigate as a team. And then they will all split off separately to different areas of a site. And they will spend so many hours there trying to sleep and just seeing what activity they get. Uh, do, do you, I mean, I, I know you, you obviously watch it with an open mind, but do you, do you, Air on the side of you believe it's credibility. Yes, some sometimes it is questionable, but from what I've seen of that show, there's just there's no way some of the things could have happened. Like um, on one of the episodes, the best friend and the cameraman were partnered in one room, and the brother and sister were in another, and they get a phone call from the best friend but when they pick up there's like strangulated voices and screaming and weird things and like what the hell is going on so they patch through on the walkie talkie to this guy to say like have you just rung me he's like no I don't have my phone on me so while they're talking on the walkie talkie Mm. the phone rings again and it's this guy and he's like I've literally not got my phone on and he's putting everything out of his pockets to show like no it's downstairs so they run downstairs to where he's left his phone and the battery has just completely died and he explains that he has like a fingerprint password so there's no way that you could even get into it if that happened to me like if that ever happened to us it would scare the life out of me i hate i hate stuff like that in in terms of me i'd I'd love watching it happen to someone else but, I know. It's, it's one of those shows for me. I've literally sat there and got goosebumps at what I'm seeing and hearing, which isn't very common for me. Yeah, I I mean, yeah, that kind of thing would play on my mind. And I'd, I'd be thinking, oh, my God, what if something's followed me out of here or attached itself to or I've got a bloody haunted phone now or something? Yeah. What kind of bill am I going to get through? <laughs> Things like this. I mean, I, you know, I, I love these kind of shows and I, I really love Most Haunted, even though, you know, sometimes it, it can be very silly. I mean, not to single them out. I mean, lots of those shows can be very, very over the top because, you know, they've got to make good TV as well. You know, they've got to keep people in. So sometimes I feel like the most minor thing that any other time, like the wind in the trees or a, or a moth fluttering past a camera, you know, they, they kind of make a big thing out of when they need to you know to, to to get a kind of good response i'm not saying they do that all the time of, of course not I, I enjoy these shows um but i do yeah i mean i i always approach them in that you've got no idea if they're fraudulent or not so if you're going to watch them you have to come from the perspective that you have to give them the benefit of the doubt that it's real and certainly um in the case of most haunted if, if you make the assumption that it's not fake then they've they've captured some amazing stuff you know, like rooms with locked off cameras overnight and they they have a, a camera in there and they speed the, the camera up 
to review it. And I've seen one where a um, a chair, like a three piece suite chair, a big armchair, moves across the floor, and it's very very slowly. So they, you know, there's no one there. There's literally no one in there. You see yeah. it just sort of spin a bit and move across the floor, only slightly, but it, it definitely does. Move, but I, I find those kind of things interesting. But you know, it's all, it's all the screaming and shouting and running around that that makes me laugh a bit. Not that I've ever do, done anything like that. I would love to. You know, it's, it's very easy for me to say, "Oh, I wouldn't be running around scared and screaming," but I, I probably would. I think I, I probably would. I like to think of myself like, "Oh yeah, I can handle that." But you know, but no. Well, when I see these things, I'm like, no, if that was me, I would be out. <laughs> that is it? I am gone. You're going to be doing one soon, aren't you? Yes, next month. I think it's May 21st at the uh, secret nuclear bunker in Kelvedon. I would love to do something like that. Are you a bit nervous? Um, I'm more bothered about the lack of sleep that I'm going to get, actually, rather than <laughs> anything else. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't know what to expect. Is this like an arranged, like, a, the, is it a, a, a company that, that runs this kind of thing? Yeah, I'll try and sneak some recordings in. I have a feeling they're going to say, like, no phone's on, but I'm going to go in with my recorder on and just pretend my phone is off. When Once um, things start to open up again, I'm, I would love to do this kind of thing. Never never done it yet so far, but, yes, yeah, something I definitely want to do. So next up, we've got some real-life paranormal stories that have been sent in to us. Obviously, we didn't have it last week as our first week. I'm going to read these to you. You can tell me uh, what you think of them. And the, the first one we've got up is from uh, James, all the way in North Yorkshire, up north. Uh, and he's, he's got three different accounts from the, from the same story. This is his parents' uh, family home where he grew up. Now, I would say as well, as a caveat, his dad runs a pub. So I don't know if that has had any influence on the, the things they've been witnessing here. But so the first account he has was a, was a moving door handle and he says they had bought a character mask as a, as a joke present uh, to, to scare people and James's mum was using the bathroom so they waited outside the door him and his brother to scare her with the mask we could hear the water stop running and then the door handle started turning we got into position but the door never opened it suddenly became really cold and the handle turned again but the door remained closed. So they went downstairs and James's mum was downstairs and she said the handle was turning inside that room too and she thought that it was them playing a prank on her. And to this day, they've got no idea who was up in the bathroom or, or turning the mat handle. And obviously there was no one there. In the same house, there was uh, bangs and crashes that they've heard downstairs. It sounds like your house now. And it says, we were staying at James's mum's house and the room is above the living room. Throughout the night, James' partner Kaylee had woken to the sound of the kitchen drawers and cupboards slamming. James' mum occasionally goes down during the night for a drink of water, so Kaylee assumed that was what was causing the noises. At 4am, James also woke to the same noises, and again, they assumed that it was James's mum as she gets up for work around that time. When they went down in the morning, James' mum was in the living room. She asked why they had left doors and drawers open. It was a day off, and she had stayed in her room all night so this one's called who took the covers um and james's dad's mother had died and he because uh, his, his parents uh, separated but he was staying over at that house on the sofa he was using an unzipped sleeping bag as a cover and the sofa was placed uh, about a foot away from the back wall for a few nights james's dad kept asking um, the youngest son who kept coming down in the middle of the night why are you walking around 
and uh, neither James nor his brother had come down. This continued for the duration of his stay. However, on a few occasions, when his dad had woken during the night, he said that a black figure was stood over him, uh, which sounds very much like what I was saying at the beginning. And on different nights, the cover had pulled off him and thrown to the middle of the room. After these events, he decided to stay at a friend's house instead, as he couldn't stand the disrupted sleep. He has never stayed again overnight. We'll visit during the day, where he still sees a dark figure, uh, this time peering through the window to the outside. All members of the family have, at some time, seen the dark figure. Friends who have no knowledge of these stories have also commented on a shadow on the wall or looking through the window to the outside. And that, that last one specifically has given me real chills. What, what do you make of it? My jaw has dropped. <laughs> I think that's, for me, the, the, the thing that gives it um, real credibility is when other people who have no knowledge are seeing things as well. I mean, the, the fascinating thing is, I, I didn't read this out, but um, James, James Munn still lives in that same house. I couldn't do that. That's right. Yeah, I couldn't do that. And that seeing someone peering through the window, that really sticks with me. Out of all of it, you know, it's all creepy. But that's the one that really helped freak me out so much. Imagine coming home and seeing a face in your window looking at you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm not going to sleep well tonight after that one. No. (laughs) Yeah. The next one we've got, this is from a lady called Sarah, and she's called it the Withensea Experience. I was staying in a relative's bungalow in Wivensea. Every morning I kept waking up about an hour and a half before the dawn light crept in. This was unusual. I'm usually a late sleeper, rising at the crack of noon. On the second night, I thought I was woken by a rushing, shuffling footsteps in the corridor beyond the wall that supported the cushioned headboard. I didn't recognise the footstep, the gait, the weight and the energy were all unfamiliar to me. My heart raced as I strained to hear more, waiting for returning footsteps or perhaps another bedroom door opening and closing, but nothing. On the third night, something I thought must have slipped and fell, perhaps a coat on the coat rack out in the corridor, had finally lost its purchases and slid onto the floor. The noise woke me at the same time. I dared myself to open my eyes and I witnessed a light from the corridor sweeping under my doorframe. It suddenly switched off and with no noise accompanying the sudden dark, I didn't dare investigate. On the fourth night, a sound came that was like a person leaning on the wall as they rushed down the corridor. So close this time that I was wide awake as the shushing noise came and rested by my door. I tried to get back to sleep and still my heartbeat was banging in my head like a large hammer. I was excited and terrified. No other noise followed. I stayed wide awake until the sun seeped in and the birds began to sing. Strangely, I'd given up recording my dreams with the help of a trusty dream book about a year earlier. I decided to take my dream book on this particular trip, though, not knowing why. I looked up knocking in the book. It was suggesting an upcoming opportunity, and depending on how the knock was reacted to would depend on the outcome. I was feeling excited but foreboding. Sure enough, soon after, I had the opportunity to launch into my first 35mm film production. I got a great result, uh, even though there were lots of forces against me. The film was rare received, went to Cannes and got me huge respect in the industry. I was pleased to have gone through the adventure and made such a great film. But lastly, I subsequently found out that it was an old house and newly bought when I came to stay, had previously owned by a quick-footed lady who had died in there. The next time I visited my relatives, I put a nightlight in the corridor. Wow, that's really interesting. So on the face of it, you've, you've got two things there. You've got creepy noises in the middle of the night. Um, but Sarah interpreted knocking in a dream sense as 
a coming opportunity, which then did indeed happen. What, what do you make of that? I'm thinking that the spirit of the old lady in the house wasn't necessarily a negative one, that maybe she was foreshadowing events to come. You got to night four, and I'm like, oh my god, there's another night where this is happening. <laughs> and then at the end, when you said that Sarah had put a nightlight in in the corridor, it's just like, I swear, if she'd put that nightlight in the corridor, and on the same night a shadow walked past, that would have been it. Could you imagine? The thing that I really liked in this was the because I could really, um, I can really hear this. You know, like you get, you know, everyone talks about knocks and footsteps and creaks and things, and largely they can all be. Dismissed. The thing that I really liked in this story was the sound of someone leaning on a wall and walking down the corridor. That. that whooshing sound. We know what that sounds like. That's that's a very definite noise. That would be yeah. hard to think something else. Uh, yeah, I love that. Another one. It's so powerful. The just even the description. You could just imagine mm. body leaning against the wall and sort of shuffling away. Everything else that she said, I, I I think I would probably force myself to rationalise it away. But that one, I, I don't think I would have stayed anywhere. I think I would have got a cab to the nearest uh, Premier Inn. Other budget hotels are also available. <laughs> um, yeah, another great one. Wow, two great first ones for this. Both of them gave me chills as well. We are now going to look at some news. Uh, these are three that you actually sent me and i want to start with the haunted pontypool pub with coffins in the cellar that go up to an auction uh this is a haunted pub that's reportedly got many many ghosts um as a lot of so-called haunted pubs do what's interesting about this one is if for some reason uh doesn't really explain why it's got coffins in the cellar <laughs> and it's going up for auction with uh, a price of one hundred and forty thousand. uh so what what did you make of this story cara I would have liked to have seen some of the evidence that they were talking about. Um, they said that they'd they previously... Don't, they don't actually provide anything, do they? They literally... I mean, there is one photograph where they said mm. the paranormal goings-on in videos which appear to show weird orbs of light. Now, in the photograph, um, you do see an orb of light in the cellar where one of these coffins is randomly sat on two chairs. But that, it's hard to tell whether this orb of light is from a light bulb I mean, I know there is a light bulb in the background, or if it is, it just seems very bright for me. Mm. It is very bright, and you know, with orbs, I mean, I, orbs differentiate all the time, uh, depending on the power of the entity and the circumstances, but typically when I see an orb, like, whether it be in real life or on TV, they usually have, like, rainbow rings almost around them, mm. Mm. whereas this is just a very stark sort of light bulb light um again it talks about um it being a building where criminals were reportedly hung and a former executioner haunts the building mm. but there isn't any history to back that up there there's no articles i do believe that there is something in the pub just based on experiences that they have had, like glasses randomly breaking or beer barrels bursting. I I can imagine that happening and it just feels true. Um, what, what were your thoughts on it? I mean, part of me, I mean, there's, there's nothing surprising. I mean, all, all pubs seem to have, because <clears throat> a lot of pubs are so old, all, all, they seem to have like these stories associated with them. This one does seem to have uh, particularly a lot of them. And I agree, I, I would have liked to have actually seen uh, some more pictures or links to videos or that kind of thing. 
part of me thinks this is going up for auction, so they're playing on the stories of it, uh, you know, to, to create interest. The yeah. thing that really, well, there's two things. The, the first thing that really struck me is it says, you know, there's even coffins in the in the cellar. Number one, why? And number two, why don't they remove them? I don't. I don't understand. I don't. Are they real coffins? Are they prop coffins? I'm looking at the picture now, and um, they look very small. There's one on top of another that that looks black incredibly ones. small. I mean, not yeah. even like a, a child's coffin, like a, a prop. I don't know. It doesn't look like a real coffin. Do you know what I mean? So I don't know. What, I don't know if they're props or what they are. I don't, I don't know. The second thing is just looking at that picture and the all. I mean. To be honest with you, when I first looked at it, I, I didn't even clock that that was an orb. I, I thought, oh, that's just the light. Yeah. But there's two, well, two things, three things that I find difficult to say that that's a light. Well, one, if it was the if the lights were off and there was a, and that was a torch on the wall, you don't just get that shape on the wall. Um, it also seems to be an an oval shape, so you could imagine, okay, that could be a bulb. Yeah. The two problems with that. The first problem is it's not the same bulb that's down the other end. Not that that's any, you can have different bulbs in, in the same room, but it, it, it would be, if that is a bulb, it's very weirdly close to the wall, um, which why would you have a, a bulb hanging about three inches from the wall? That doesn't make sense to me. So I don't know what that is. I mean, I did just say maybe it's a torchlight, but I don't know if a torch would give off that much around the room. Yeah, the and way then- it's lit up is very strange. Definitely. But if you look to the bottom of the photograph towards the left of the leg chairs, there is like a little blue speck, spectre. Yeah, I see it. It's a slightly translucent as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's strange. I I mean, maybe that's, that, though, maybe that is meant to be the orb and we've just completely <laughs> we've just, no, no. discussed light bulb. <laughs> yeah, we just spent 10 minutes. Oh, what a podcast. The, the light bulb podcast. <laughs> uh, well, I, I find this very interesting, and I'm I'm quite tempted to go and check out the the auction as well. Uh, yeah, I think I might I might have a look at that, see what see what that's all about. Okay, so without any I guess any proper evidence to examine, we're we're, we're on the fence on this one. It doesn't surprise me at all, and uh, part of me does think it's a bit of bit of marketing as well. I would say that looking at the the pub on the outside, I mean, it does look bloody creepy. Uh, you know, if you was going to pick a building that looked haunted, it would be that one. Uh, but, but there you go. Uh, okay, the second story that you sent me this this week is about the Patterson Poltergeist, which I don't know if, if you've listened to it. Uh, the BBC have done a, a brilliant uh, documentary series on this, which was um, part documentary and part uh, audio drama. Very, very, very good. Um, have you listened to it? I listened to the first two episodes. I know that you were very yeah through it. yeah it's I, I, it's really well done like you've got uh, two you've got like a skeptic and a believer as like the experts on there um, and I, I like how respectful they are of each other uh, and each other's views um, so that that's really good you know research has done really well and they also interview um, the real life Shirley who at the enter is at the center of this story and they're very respectful with her as well and I like that i think they've done a good job the, the story itself i mean wow especially for a yes. child i mean there's not really much that you can say against it i mean even the fact that neighbors sometimes heard these bangings occurring and that even after shirley left the house that sometimes yeah. these could still be heard 
Yeah, I, I, I'm not going to give my opinion on this because I've, I've listened to the whole series and they really do a lot of digging and investigation into all sorts of things, you know, tram lines and things. They, they do a really good job. So I'm, I'm going to refrain from saying what I think. But a couple of, just to expand on that, a couple of things that they mention in this article about the neighbours hearing it. Well, in, in the podcast, it, um, it talks about how these these noises, I mean, I know it says her brother John said, oh, she's probably responsible. They were described as being so loud that neighbours from four and five doors away were coming down and banging on the door to tell people to be quiet. I mean, that's not the sort of noise that you can make easily to, to wake up your neighbours. No. You know, and this is uh, 1956. You know, they're not going to have huge stereo speakers in the house or anything like that. This is this is a long time ago. I just found I find the whole story really, really fascinating. Uh, is it? Uh, how, where, where do you fall on it? Do you think? Um... I, I definitely believe it, um, especially after John being a skeptic that he he yeah. was at the time to then go into his sister's bedroom and see the sheet being tugged off of her and then her body to levitate. Mm. You know, I think having a skeptic yeah, that's... converted is one of the big things that makes me believe. Yeah. And that, that goes back to James's story when he said about friends who have no knowledge about the place have seen people looking out of his window. Yeah. Um, and I'll say, yeah, there's no way I'd be living there still, but there you go. But you're right. It's when someone who is completely unbiased, unattached to it, or, as you say, is a sceptic and changed their mind, um, I, I find that gives real, real credibility. Yeah. What, what I found as well is a lot of what um, has gone on here, you, you can rationalise away if certain factors are met, but consistently it keeps coming up a blank. Like there's always like you think, oh, well, such and such was doing it. And well, they weren't in the house. They were at work that day. Or as you said, Shirley must be doing it. Or when Shirley's not there, it still happens. And, you know, things like this. I thought it was interesting. It's quite almost how just the throwaway comment of, oh, yeah, one day we saw my dad's slippers walking around the room. I couldn't believe that. <laughs> I know, and then they sort of picked themselves up, went into the hallway, and then dropped down. Yeah, as if someone were carrying them. I mean, honestly, I don't know how I would react. Well, I do know how I react like that. I wouldn't be in the house anymore. It's it's all right for us with perspective saying, oh, you know, well, I've got to stay in a hotel, or you know, they they didn't have that option, did they? It was there or nowhere. Then, yeah. Um, I hope people read this article, 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 and um, and check out the podcast as well. It's 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 really really interesting. My heart goes yeah. out to Shirley. Um, just like oh yeah. As she's talking now at her, I think she's 76 now, or she is 75. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, the fact that she's never really wanted to discuss it because she's worried that she might reawaken these things and cause trouble for herself. I think that really says a lot that even these decades later, she is still terrified of what happened. Mm. Yeah, um, you're right. That struck me as well. How she was really fearful of like reopening uh, Pandora's box, if you like. Um, yeah. And like anything, I've got no doubt that all of these things uh, happen happened. It's just you know whether there's a um, legitimate explanation or fraudulent or it really is paranormal. Or, um, I would urge everyone listen to the podcast and uh, you, you get a lot of information there and, and further digging. That was a great great story. The last piece of news you've sent me, I love this. Uh, this is uh, the Pentagon confirms leaked photos and videos of UFOs are legitimate. What I would say about this first is on the face of it, you, you would think, oh, my 
God, they're, they're saying UFO, UFOs are real. And of course they're real. It, you know, it, it just means unidentified flying objects. You could throw something in the air and until someone sees what it is, it's, it's unidentified. But obviously in the context of this, it's, it's much more about things that the, the military have seen. And I always love these kind of stories because to me, it's instant credibility. If the military are saying, here are these documents that we recorded and we're now releasing them to you, the public. There's accounts of where, like, fighter pilots or radar personnel have seen things they just can't un- explain. Strange shapes, lights spinning, things going at speeds faster than they're capable of. That is real credibility to me, and I find it uh, fascinating. What, what do you make of it? I mean, I'm the same mindset as you. I mean, obviously, these fighter pilots are all, they go through extensive training, and they know what their, mm-hmm. their engineering um and their aircraft can and can't do um and obviously these these um these vehicles are top of the range for what they're doing so for them to be mm. away by something that you know it can't their vehicles can't compete with it, you're like okay so what yeah, it's um but what threw me was um i think it was in the last paragraph or so of the article um, John Ratcliffe had said that there were a lot more sightings yeah. that had been made public, and you're just like, oh, why don't you just show us? Yeah. Because we all know it's true. I mean, there's un- uh, unidentified submergible objects, and obviously, like, they're the ones that go into water, mm. um, and flying objects, and aerial phenomena, and you just. I know we discussed previously what we've we've mm. seen, um, but as you say, for for the government, the military to give credit to these things is is just insane. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's incredible. This 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 acknowledgement. Um, and what I like is that at the end it says that a, a bigger report is going to be released. Um, I think in um, detailing a lot more of these things. The thing that I really found interesting, I'm not sure what to make of it, is when this information was released and confirmed that this is um, an, a UFO, what I found interesting is the statement from them said to maintain operation security and to avoid disclosing information that may be useful to potential adversaries, the DOD, uh, Department of Defense, I assume, does not discuss publicly the details of either the observations or the examinations of reported incursions into our training ranges or designated airspace. And here's the bit that I found interesting, including those incursions initially designated as a UAP, which is unidentified aerial phenomenon. So what they're saying is they've released this information saying, you know, this has not been tampered with. What I find interesting is, initially designated as a UOP. So they're saying now it's no longer an unidentified aerial phenomenon, but we won't be commenting on that. Yeah, it makes you wonder if it's a different country sending something out yeah. that's not been I mean, confirmed. Just to finish on this story, what's what's your feelings on the idea that the Pentagon does has made contact with alien life and has real proof of the existence of aliens? But where, where, where do you... St- Stand on that idea. They 100% have. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. I'm, I'm, I agree with you completely. I mean, you've got these people who, I know in America it's very big, people who literally dedicate their lives, who aren't military or government or anything like that, who just 
research UFOs and they will take different areas and they will look at how many reports of sightings have been in a certain area and at what times and what was seen for how long, whether objects were mm. stationary in the air, if they flickered in and out. And then they're disregarding the fact that it could be an aeroplane because of the way an aeroplane would move or the signals that it would give off. Mm. Yeah, so, you know, there's too much that's been seen over the years. There's too much that continues to be seen. Um, and the fact that now, like you said, this statement that has been given out it's like oh well, we're not going to confirm it but we sort of now have <laughs> yeah yeah I, I i completely agree and i think you know just like you very very interested in the paranormal whereas i'm on the fence on ghosts and things like that yeah 100 100 i believe there's alien life out there um and i'm and i'm very sure in my opinion that we get visited and that um, governments, uh, particularly the US government, is covering up. That, that I believe that they did obtain a crashed uh, UFO. I believe that we have, as a, as a species, made advancements in technology because of like um, retro engineering of yeah. technology that they found. And um, I think the US government knows that we are visited by craft that's not come from our planet. Uh, and I, I find it just a fascinating subject. And I I heard an analogy the other day that I hadn't heard before, and it really summed it up for me. And it said, you know, our understanding of space is really just outside of our own atmosphere. You know, the amount of space we haven't explored, whether in our own solar system or the universe as a whole. I mean, it's microscopic. Oh, yeah. You know, it's, it's less than microscopic. And the analogy is, if you take a, a glass of water out of an ocean, just because there isn't a shark in that glass of water doesn't mean there isn't one in the ocean. And that really struck a chord with me that, yeah, that, you know, you can't take a, a tiny, tiny little snapshot of something and assume you know all life within that area. Yeah. It's the same as if you take a tree out of the rainforest. You can't look at that and say, well, there's no, uh, gibbon in, in this in this tree so there is yeah. yeah yeah you know I've, I've really probably made myself look stupid that someone's gonna go right no gibbons in the rainforest <laughs> what's he talking about <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why i picked gibbon a monkey that's what i wanted to say <laughs> you say gibbon and i just think the funky gibbon and then i'm just thinking oh, of the goodies yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd really like in future to do to an episode just on this Definitely. Um, and maybe get some people in to talk about it as well who, who, have, who have written books on it and who, as you say, make a career of, of investigating and trying to expose it. Because I think, um, you know, 100% like you, this is this is absolutely not not saying that this particular one is um, an alien craft. But I think in general, they know and they're keeping it from us, maybe quite rightly, because it would it would literally change the world, wouldn't it? I mean, oh, yeah. religion people's understanding you know it would turn everything upside down uh there were three great stories cara thank you that's okay i'd really be interested to look at some historical cases of ufo sightings yeah that's technology great. was a, became as advanced as it is now um because i think some of the things that people would have seen maybe 50 to 100 years ago they they wouldn't have been existent you know for someone to see an aircraft shaped like I don't know a Pringle that it was all silver or completely flat two-dimensional and you know it's it doesn't sound like something that 
they would make up at the time. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I com- completely agree. I mean, you, you could argue that the problem is, is that as our technology advances, it's so easy to fake it now. I you know. know. Where, whereas CGI was the, you know, the, the area of Hollywood studios, people could do it in their bedrooms now, can make very, very, very convincing UFOs. You don't, I mean, you don't really see it as much with ghosts, but UFOs, it seems to be the thing that they like to do, you know, uh, a little light zooming across is, I mean, I can't do it, but, you know, to other people who are interested in that kind of thing, it's, it's very easy to do. But it's when it's, bloody hell, this is the Pentagon saying that this image is real, um, you know, the image that it's talking about, and just just find it fascinating and i think one day one day it will all be revealed i'm just waiting for like a little alien to walk across the field and get spotted by a civilian mm. <laughs> yeah well one day okay cara that was uh, that was brilliant thank you for joining me thank you again for having me thank you so much for joining us tonight cara and i really appreciate it and hope you enjoyed the show check out our social media at ev podcast evie and let us know what you think of the show all links discussed are in the description and please do email us evpodcast at outlook.com with your true life experiences take care we'll see you next week stay spooky (laughs) 